Max, great to be back on the Middlemen podcast after a break where I feel like we've we've just missed so much sport. Coursework has come at completely the wrong time, but look, we're back and we can touch on the Super League and touch on the boxing. And I think that's probably the best place to start with the Super League. And I couldn't have asked for a better link with your team, Liverpool, being at the heart and centre of the action over the weekend. They didn't play Manchester United because of the United protest, the fan protest where they stormed the pitch at Old Trafford to protest against their owners, the Glaziers, and that protest was fueled by the Super League. Let's start with that kind of behaviour. For me, they're not real Manchester United fans. Um, there is no way that criminal, criminal activity is ever excusable. What they did damages the reputation of the English game. Um, for me, there's just no way that's on. It, it can't happen. There's a very fine line between peacefully protesting and breaking the law, and, and they cross that line. So uh, in my view, I would have loved to have seen Liverpool play Manchester United. I think it would have been an absolute cracker, had the potential at this stage of the season to be uh, a really good game, uh, and it didn't happen. What were your thoughts on that protest, and uh, what are your thoughts on the Super League? Well, I ask you the way you're saying about how um, the the way the peaceful protests, well, saying that there weren't any peaceful protests and kind of criticising fans for not taking that. Do you think, obviously, I don't condone what these guys have done in terms of uh, breaking the law at all, but i got to start with a question, mate. Do you think that if they were to peacefully protest, that it would get the same recognition, the same publicity that that it needs to uh, to force the Glaciers out of, out of uh, power? No, I don't. Uh, and that's where it becomes really difficult because I don't think the Glazers would bat an eyelid if it was just a peaceful protest like we saw at Spurs or at Arsenal. Um, but at the same time, you, you can't take the law into your own hands. You can't storm a football pitch. Uh, you can't climb on top of the goal nets and chuck uh, camera tripods around. Uh, injure policemen just over the ownership of Manchester United. And this is going to sound pretty controversial, but correct me if I'm wrong, Manchester United's owners, the Glaziers, have spent, I think, the second most amount of money in the Premier League behind Manchester City. So it's not like they don't back the club. Okay, there's debt, uh, which I don't believe there was when they got there. But of course, there's going to be problems in an 80,000-seater stadium. I don't think from the outside looking in, and maybe this is naive to say the problems at Manchester United compared to other clubs in the Premier League are that awful. Protests like that aren't on, in my opinion. I mean, what do you think? Do you think if the United fans had peacefully protested, the Glaziers would, I I don't know, be looking vulnerable? No, because, you know, I I, I, I effective at all um, or got the media coverage that this had. But at the same time, as you said, you can't take to your own hands. And we saw how effective in, in the previous weeks uh, when uh, fans clubs and uh, fans of clubs were reacting to the Super League, we saw them uh, get those clubs to reverse their decision from their protests. And their protests didn't involve, you know, storming grounds and postponing games. And that's where my problem with it is, uh, you know, that's where my problem with it lies, especially as a fan who wanted to uh, watch that game, was hoping that we wouldn't lose, you know, because it, it was looking like a... <laughs> like a possible loss for us to tough and, like go to extents that will postpone the game so it's it's frustrating uh to see that happen and to see fans go that wild with it but they need to be doing something that is going to push these uh glaciers out of power and get these uh 
money grabbing scumbags to actually get out of football and into an industry that they understand well without doubt a lot of them don't care at all for their football clubs and maybe again maybe that's a bit harsh to say because owners like Abramovich and and the Glaziers have spent a lot of money I think for someone like Cronke Stan Cronke at Arsenal you can say he really doesn't care but uh, look the, the Super League was a nonsense it was mutiny um it, it was a soulless decision if it went ahead uh, all based on money and, and thank goodness that it only lasted for a, a few hours really in reality when we look back on it in the history books it didn't last long let's go back to Liverpool though we don't know when that game will go ahead against United but since our last podcast Max you've been knocked out of the Champions League you've drawn one all to Leeds you've drawn one all to Newcastle you sat seventh and you're seven points behind us, Chelsea, in fourth. So, frustrated? So, you know how happy I am to talk about my team on, on our comeback episode. Oh, my Lord. It doesn't get any better, does it? No, it <laughs> it's, just, it's just the same thing every different episode, honestly. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to, to be it. But, you know, I can't, I can't scream YNWA and not be fully supportive of my team at this tough time. So, got to stick with them. I still continue to struggle to turn out results. It's so funny um I I buried our Champions League hopes when we drew to Newcastle right and everybody was telling me I was mad everyone was saying uh, it's too early that you know there's still hope and they were listing off all the old they don't sound too tough apart from the United game it's not too tough but we make easy teams give us a hard time so who's to tell me that these future fixtures with the lower uh, that with the teams that are lower down the league aren't going to give us a tough time who's to say that we're going to get three points in them you know, we haven't been consistent enough to convince me that we are. And that's why I said, you know, we're going to have to settle for Europa League this season because I can't see us getting Champions League now. And uh, here's a, another question I wanted to put to you. It's not really re- related on current form. It's actually re- related on something I watched during the week. So I watched um, the match of the day's top 10. So every week they rate the top 10 goal scorers in the Premier League, the top 10 defenders in the Premier League, in the Premier League's history. And, this week, it was defenders. Michael Richards said that Virgil van Dijk has the potential to be the best ever Premier League defender. Uh, do you think he really could be that, be that good? Yeah, I, 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 can't say, I can't say that he's not me because I would be lying. You know, I, I'm, I'm being uh, impartial though. at the same time, like fair and straight down the line. You have, obviously, there's been amazing defenders that, that have blessed the Prem. But this, this boys, I, I think there's still, you know, there's still more levels to go in Virgil van Dijk. And I'm praying that this uh, injury hasn't stripped him back and hasn't prevented that from happening. Because if he can go up those extra layers, and I think Michael Richards is going to be correct, there's still, you know, uh, loads of years to go on his career yet. So if he can, like, can still progress and become even better, then I think that claim can definitely be proven true. Well, uh, one of the greatest Premier League defenders, in my opinion, John Terry, won the Champions League for Chelsea. And will we win it this year? That's the question. Look, both the men's and women's teams have really, really impressed me. Uh, Chelsea women are through to their first ever Champions League final under the guidance of Emma Hayes. And I take my hat off to Emma. I think she's a really great boss and there's no reason why she can't be managing in men's football. I know she rejected the Wimbledon job, but I think... Uh, that was an insult, to be honest, to offer to offer a manager that's getting teams into a Champions League final uh, the job at AFC Wimbledon. I think that's a complete insult. So glad you turned that down to stay at Chelsea. Uh, but in, in terms of the boys, they head into the second leg of our semi-final against Real Madrid with the away goal. In my opinion, 
as the stronger team. Um, in hindsight, there's no chance that Chelsea would be pushing for third of a third or fourth under the likes of Frank Lampard. And I know we, we we've spoken about this at length, but I'm so glad when you put it into perspective that Tuchel's only lost two games out of 23, that he's the man uh, leading the ship in this Champions League campaign. And I genuinely, genuinely believe we can do it. It's, it's Chelsea versus Man City in the final. In my opinion, that's the way I think it's going to go. Um, we'll release this podcast after Manchester City versus PSG. So we'll see if I'm right. Um, but unlike a few clubs, Max, it just looks as though Chelsea perform both domestically and uh in the Champions League in Europe. So unlike a few clubs that I won't mention, but I'd be really impressed with Kai Havertz. <laughs> um, Mason Mount's assist on the weekend was brilliant uh, against Fulham. Christian Pulisic against Madrid. Uh, remind me, Max, who are you going to back in this Champions League campaign now? Well, I always say that the, the to be the best loser in a knockout competition, you have to lose to the people that, the, to the team that the side that goes on and win it, which is exactly what Chelsea did uh, against Bayern last year, right? So, <laughs> but then also I'm I'm British in it, so I kind of like have to back Chelsea. I have to get get a bit behind the English lads, you know, playing playing away, and, and want them to do well. But listen, it would be ideal if uh, Real Madrid went on and won the whole thing, because then we can say, look, we 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 lost to them. So uh, I'm 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 conflicted on who to support in this tie. Um, but whoever makes it out of you guys, I would prefer to make it all the way because obviously PSG and Man City are uh, funded clubs. Not you know, not to say they're not great; they're fantastic clubs. But uh, I could could get behind Madrid for the fact that we lost to them, and obviously get behind Chelsea a bit more. Well, uh, I know who who you're going to back when it comes to the boxing, and and, and we'll look ahead to that now because uh, you know Saunders and. Uh, Canelo, it's going to be an incredible fight. But let's start with what we've missed out on because we we've missed quite a bit in our little break, and it's been it, this is a big a big week to bounce back from in terms of the weekend. Joseph Parker beat Derek Chisora by a controversial split decision. Katie Taylor um, defended her four lightweight belts against Natasha Jonas as she won by split decision. Sunny Edwards produced a masterclass as he earned a unanimous points victory against Mortiri Umtalani uh, for the IBF world title, uh, the flyweight belt. Uh, let's begin, though, with um, Parker Chisora. Parker was knocked down with a big overhand right uh, to the temple in the opening 10 seconds. Parker's combinations was probably what put him back in favour. He, he, I think he tied uh, Chisora. But for the scorecards, Max, to be 115 to 113, 111 to 116, and 115 to 113. I mean, really? That Are they really like that? I mean, Chisora didn't lose the fight that badly, did he? So I think, mate, what you're, now, nowadays you have to take a matchroom scorecard with a pinch of salt because I, I see this on almost every every card. Not, not to say, not to just target matchroom, actually. But this is the modern state of boxing nowadays. You're going to get, there's always going to be at least one really wide scorecard on one really tight fight. It's, it's just bound to happen on a weekend now. I, I almost expect it. So when I see that, I barely bat an eyelid. But, it, you know, it is outrageous when you look at it. Um, I always say in a, in a tight fight, uh, if there has been a knockdown and, you've had a, and there's been a really even 12 rounds, then you, you're always going to favour that, well, as a, I'm thinking as a judge now, you're always bound to favour the guy that scored the knockdown, right? Because he's probably caused most damage to his opponent. That's why he's got it. And he's a he's won a 10-8 round. But, you know, I, 
I, I can see how maybe they would have given a Parker a bit of props for, for the comeback. You said the combination punching was uh, was good and, and Chisora did tire, but it's like, obviously, um, what was it 116 to 111? That, that, it can't be right, can it? It's, it's it, impossible. So they have the, it's, it's your, your usual, your routine, your weekly shame because uh, it, it doesn't belong in boxing. It's pathetic. Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, I was really shocked. Uh, and, you know, I'm by no means a qualified judge, qualified referee. Uh, I'm by no means qualified to to score a boxing fight. But in my opinion, and, and everyone else's too, that was just crazy. Uh, what's next for Chisora now? I think retirement is probably a sensible option if he, if he doesn't want his whole reputation going out the window. Yeah, and I think he's made is even his last two fights. They they have been losses, but they've been against top, you know, world level um, boxers. And he's made a great account of himself both times. So I think there's still more opportunities for him at the top, but not many opportunities I can see him winning. You know, I think if he does stay in the game, he's going to become a bit of a gatekeeper, like. Uh, like you know the, the good rough durable old heavyweights uh, do become so I think you know there, there's there's no point in um in staying to to be one of them and be fed to the young and hungry kid I think yeah if, if Chisora takes his time off now he can go out you know uh, somewhere at the top top five top ten in the heavyweight division so you know it hasn't been a bad run he's had a great career um and, and he's given some British fans some great drama these past few years so I think yeah uh, the the right step now would be retirement for sure well, I couldn't believe that the whole fight uh, came down to whether uh, Chisora's mum could persuade him to fight or not in terms of the ring walk, which uh, was just, I heard it on the radio, actually, on my way to football, and I was uh, laughing as I was driving through the streets of Birmingham, and I showed, I suppose that's uh, the power of a great woman in your life, and speaking of, uh, she's not necessarily in my life, but Katie Taylor, certainly a great woman. Uh, won the late rounds with that rapid punch volume and speed, just about proving too much for, you know, a powerful and exceptionally hard-hitting Jonas, who was bruising with her blows. And uh, Jonas uh, was beaten by Taylor as an amateur at the Olympics, and it happened again. But the quality this time around was second to none. And an intense matchup of speed versus power. The scorecards read 96-94, 96-95, and 96-95 to the IBF, WBA, WBO and WBC Queen. What did you make of it, Max? Um, it certainly lived up to our expectations. Yeah, it's it's one of those fights, the amount of rounds and uh, how long they last, because that was, a, it, it was great, you know. As you said, it's everything that we expected. Uh, it reached, I, I think it lived up to its full potential. Uh, it is fantastic to see them both go out. Jonas hitting really hard uh, for somebody who had to step up in weight as well. Uh, you know, you consider that and I think, uh, that makes you realise how good of a performance she really put on uh, and really brought it to, to Taylor. You know, they're, they're both uh, great warriors. That's what ended up making it such a great uh, such a great fight. Well, whilst on the topic of female boxing, before we moved on, we move on to uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez versus Billy Joe Saunders. Making her pro debut this month is former kickboxing world champion Katie Healy. Katie, three weeks until you make your pro debut in Sheffield. How are you? How's training? How are you feeling ahead of the fight? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. I just can't wait to get in there now. Um, training's been going really well. Um, and yeah, just three weeks to go until until I step back in the ring. It's It's been a while, but I'm itching now and I'm feeling ready. 
When was the last time you were in any ring? And a kickboxing ring, boxing ring. When was the last time you had a, a fight? Properly was three years ago to this month, actually. My last fight was in May three years ago. So it, it's been a while. I mean, that is a long time. I mean, for any athlete to be out of the ring for three years, why Why was it boxing? Why didn't you go back to kickboxing after uni? I know you got your degree. Why start this boxing journey? For me, it was just I was after that new challenge. Um, when I started going back to the gym after uni, it wasn't to go straight into boxing and compete. It was just a matter of, I'll go back, get my fitness back up, lose a bit of weight. Um, but it sounds quite cheesy. The second I just started training again, I was like, I need to get back in the ring. I've missed it so much. And I, I don't think I realised how much I actually missed it until I got back in there. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was just that next step. I felt like I'd kind of achieved everything I had in kickboxing. So it's that new challenge now and it's quite exciting. I'm, I'm learning it all, all from scratch again. I'm sure there are a load of uni students out there. I'm a uni student. I'm sure there are a load of us out there that will be really inspired by your story. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, like I say, I, t- I took the time out myself to really focus on my degree. Um, and when, like, like I say, when I come back, I just realised how much I missed it. I'd done a bit of boxing at like the the university boxing club but it, it wasn't the same as being as being with my Trojan family. Uh, am I right in saying that now you're back you, you're going into the super bantamweight division is that where you're aiming? Yeah we're aiming for that category um, and if it works that we stay there we might go up we might go down we're, we're going to see how it goes but that was where I used to compete in the kickboxing so it's gave us a good start starting point in the in the boxing now. Uh, what what can you tell us about about your fight in May? Because it is quite inconspicuous. I've I've tried to do my research all day and I haven't got that much on the fight itself. I've got to say. So what can you tell us about the fight coming up? So I know who I'm fighting. Um, I don't think it's been announced yet, so I'm not sure whether I can say. Okay. Um, but the girls got some good experience. It'll be a good challenge for my debut. It's it's not going to be an easy fight. Um, and I've watched a couple of their fights, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it and I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. Have you had to uh, change your preparation in any way? Kind of tweak it at all? Um, I'd say, to be honest, I'm like I say, I'm learning from scratch at the moment. So we've obviously tweaked it slightly to how we think her fighting style is going to be. Um, so we have been more specific in that way. Um, but focusing on myself, we've, we've kind of just been fine-tuning everything and fine-tuning the basics and really making that transition of no longer looking like a kickboxer and actually looking like a boxer in the ring now. Um, but yeah, we've we've got a good game plan um, and fingers crossed it works on the night. And with that transition, I, I know you've had massive help from Rachel Bull, who's a bit of a legend in yeah. the game at the moment. How important is, is Rachel to you and what advice has she given you ahead of your debut? Well, I've been training with Rachel now since since I was 15. We started off as sparring partners in kickboxing um, and we've kind of had a similar journey and it's just, it's really inspiring and it's so nice to have someone to go to. Like any questions I've had or any concerns or any worries, like even with things like the medical and I'm there panicking, having no idea what's going on and I can just pop her a message on WhatsApp and within two minutes she replies to me and it makes me feel a lot better. Um, but no, it's, it's really good. Um that you've, we've got sparring partners and people to train with, even being similar weights as well. Um, it's it's really good to have in the gym. Um, 
and it's great to see so many of the females coming up as well and we've got so many females at, at Trojan it's, it's amazing but no it's, it's really nice to have a to have Rachel in the same stable. I mean you touched on it there female boxing at the moment it's possibly perhaps the biggest it's ever been you're coming into the sport not only at the right time but when it's most popular yeah yeah no it's it's perfect timing and I think we've seen especially over the last 12 months it's just grown massive like look at tomorrow we've got probably one of the biggest fights in women's boxing with Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas it's just it's it's amazing that's that's all I can say really and uh for people like myself just coming into the sport or people that have maybe been amateur and they're looking to move over to the professional side, it's so inspiring and it motivates a lot of us to be able to look up to people like that and see what they're achieving. So, yeah, it's it's really great to watch and it's so entertaining too. I don't think I've ever watched one bad female fight recently. It's, it's brilliant. Well, I mean, look, Ebony Bridges, Shannon Courtney, I, I know you met Ebony Bridges. What, yes. what, what was she like? Was she nice? Was, did she give you some good She's advice? Lovely. Yeah, she was really lovely. And I love an Australian accent. So I even says to her, just keep talking, just keep talking to me. <laughs> but no, she was a really, really nice, um, nice person. Um, and it was great to chat to her and to see what she'd been up to while she'd been back over to the UK. But yeah, like you say, the fight was, it was amazing. And she lived, she lived up to what she was saying. Like I hadn't seen much of Ebony. I hadn't seen many fights. I'd obviously seen Shannon Courtney fighting, especially against Rachel. Um but yeah, I wasn't sure what she was going to be like, to be honest. I know she'd got the name The Bomber and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really entertaining fight. Really good. And you mentioned it as well. I mean, often big fights, some, it's like an FA Cup final. Sometimes they won't always live up to it. Uh, yeah. Taylor, Jonas, what's your take on that? How do you think it's going to go down? I was really excited to hear that the fight was going ahead, to be honest with you. Um, and I have been asked to, what my prediction is going to be. And I think it's going to be close. I'll be honest. I think both of the girls are fantastic fighters in their own way. Um, and I think it's as simple as whoever's got the strongest game plan tomorrow will win. Um, I'm a massive Katie Taylor fan, um, but I'm also really impressed by Natasha Jonas lately. Like her fight with Terry Harper was one that's really memorable to me. <clears throat> so yeah, it's 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 going to be a tough one. I think I'm going to be on my edge of the seat for the whole fight, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing what happens. And when you see these girls, you know, fighting on world stages, and these fights will get more than a lot of men's fights in terms of views. Yeah. Uh, is that a dream for you? Is that where you see yourself in perhaps the next five years or so? I mean, is that where you see yourself further down the line on that world stage? I'd like to think so. Yeah, I'm kind of one of those people that I just take every day as it comes. I put in the training, I put in the hard work um, and I say everything happens for a reason. Um, but in the kickboxing, I always had that dream of having a world title and obviously we, we achieve more than that. Um, so yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely aspire to, to get that and to be on that stage. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And BCB, uh, you've signed for BCB. Everyone knows they're a really respected promotion. I mean, what was the the decision behind signing for BCB? Was it just because of how respected they are in this industry? Yeah, and I think it helped as well. Obviously, being alongside having Rach in the gym, that was who Rach was with. Um, And I've built such a good relationship with my coach, Gavin, and I trust every decision he makes. And if he says to me this this is a good one to go with, then I, I trust him and we'll, we follow him. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm building good relationships with everyone and I pop down the gym and do sparring. So it was it was the right decision for me. 
And finally, with your debut coming up, you haven't got a nickname. And that, to me, is scandalous. Because as a journalist, when, I, when I'm writing about a boxer, I love to include a nickname. So <laughs> why haven't you got a nickname? And why don't you come up with one? I don't know. I'm really bad when it comes to, like, creative stuff like that. Um, like I say, other people have called me stuff. Like, recently, I've been related to pizza quite a lot. Because I mentioned pizza. Yeah, because I mentioned pizza quite a bit in, a, in an interview I had recently. It's probably because I'm dieting and I'm so hungry. <laughs> and all I can think about is that. Um, but then other things, a lot of people call me the smiler. Apparently, I'm always smiling. So, well, yeah, Hit, yeah, we don't, about, we don't uh, know. Hit woman Healy. Hey, a bit of alliteration there. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think we'll, uh, you never know, after the debut, we might get a few recommendations from people and we might be able to pop one in there, but we'll have to wait and see. Katie Healy there, uh, speaking to the middlemen about her debut coming up. I think it's on the 21st of March. Such a nice girl and uh, really, really talented. So good luck to Katie and thank you so much uh, for jumping on the podcast with us. Uh, let's go to another British and very talented boxer. Sonny Edwards inflicted a first career defeat on uh, Marathi Mthalani. Uh, 36 minutes of energy and, and movement to avoid the South Africans' really heavy hands. Uh, the scorecard's red. 118 to 111, 120 to 108, and 115 to 113. So a very much deserved points victory, in my opinion, as uh, as Sonny became the IBF World Flyweight Champion. Uh, it, it's hard to argue, Max, that Britain isn't dominating boxing right now. Yeah, honestly, you, you see more and more coming up on the world stage. It's not only uh, in, in the men's boxing as well. You've got to keep your eye on the word than ever. So, yeah, uh, Britain's seems to be it feels like it's uh almost becoming the home of uh of global boxing again but before i do talk about that fight i do have to uh praise you and i hope all you guys listening at home do praise no for pronouncing sunny edwards opponent right because <laughs> bless him off there he's been trying to get it right for about the past half hour so well done to you Noah. yeah is a fantastic oh. fight with edwards he, he boxed brilliantly um obviously very deserved win like dominated uh, truly dominated and really impressed me to be fair I think that mm. uh, looked like a career best performance I, I've seen him uh, out a few times and uh, but he just looked top of his game there uh, on Friday night well the, the way Max and I uh, decided on pronouncing the pronouncing the name of Sonny Edwards opponent was by referring to hot soup or some hot food so we, we're going to go with uh, it's how are we going to say it, Max? We're going to say it's mmm, uh, Thalani. So, mmm, Thalani. <laughs> mm, Thalani. So, that's going to be our pronunciation from now on. And we hope it's uh, right. Something, uh, a name a bit easier to pronounce is uh, Billy Joe Saunders. You don't get much, you don't get much more English than that. Uh, Saunders is a two weight world champion. Uh, it, it's look, he, he's from Stevenage, so he, he's from pretty near my end. But it's hard to back him because of his antics outside of the ring. He's fighting Canelo Alvarez uh, this weekend, who I'm sure, Max, you will say is the best pound-for-pound boxer uh, in the world. Um, But just quickly on Saunders and why I struggled to back him, he was fined 100 grand by uh, the British Boxing Board of Control for a social media video that police described as sickening in 2018. He returned an adverse voluntary anti-doping association test in the same year and gave up his WBO world middleweight title outside of the ring. Then he was fined £15,000 because he posted a social media video about how men could hit their female partners. 
for me, he's by no means a role model and someone that's very hard to back, as, as, as I've just said. But um, Saunders said this will be the biggest upset in boxing history. Certainly in the last 20 years, I believe this is meant to be. Max, talk me through the fight. Uh, yeah, so, well, I think, first of all, it's best saying Billy Joe Saunders is a bit of an acquired taste, isn't he? He is. Uh, you, I think you really have to be a day one fan and uh, uh, understand him as a bit of a loose screw to to get fully behind him. But he's a great boxer, you know, less in the ring. And this is why he's got a, fo- uh, he's got a fight scheduled with the pound for pound best in the world. It's because he, you know, he does have the skills. And uh, finally, uh, we've been waiting in the wings for this one for a while. You know, this this has been, uh, this this fight has been on people's lips for a while. So it's been a long time in the making. Finally, it does come round, uh, and I, I think you know it's it's not going to disappoint at all. Everyone talks about how um how how silky can almost almost seems to be the way. You know, silky with a good jab almost seems to be the way to beat Canelo because he's looked at as worse with opponents who have that. You know, Floyd Mayweather was able to get the win against him uh, when Canelo was just 23 with, with those skills and, and uh, before. But obviously, you know, it goes without saying uh, Saunders is nothing like Floyd Mayweather, but he does have jab. He does have a great jab and he does, you know, he, he's, he's a bit of a silky boxer. He's, he's looked great against, uh, in his world title fights anyway, he's looked fantastic. So let's, let's see. Let's honestly see. I don't think it will be an upset. Uh, I think Canelo's just too good. He looks unbeatable right now, but if if you were to look at the super middleweight division, only only Saunders Saunders seems to be the only guy that can uh, give him a fight and that can make it as. And you really do believe that Canelo is is the best pound for pound in the world? Fully, fully. I, I think by a by a mile as well. Because who, who are you going to put at second? Nio Anui or uh, Terence Crawford, right? Mm. And like. Like those guys, fantastic fighters. You know they they deserve those spots that 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 second and that third place. But Canelo is just so far. Like his career accomplishments and his boxing ability, like and and his resume, just everything. He's just way too well rounded, and he's too excelled. He's overachieved uh, so much in his career that it would be criminal to put him anywhere else in your pound for, uh, pound for pound top ten list. What better way to end the boxing segment than a, a real statement from Max? And I've got to say, I agree with him. Uh, I usually agree with Max <laughs> when it comes to boxing because I don't know anyone that knows their boxing like Max. Uh, but look, Chelsea <laughs> now uh, have Real Madrid on Wednesday night at the bridge and then it's a trip to the Etihad on Saturday in the Prem. You guys, Liverpool, will end the podcast with saying you've got Southampton uh, on Saturday. So uh, maybe, I don't know, by your standards this season, that's a tough game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah, it all depends if we, uh, if they want to schedule in slot in United before or after that. You know, <laughs> who knows if we got Southampton next? This uh, was yeah. game has, has done a, done a bit of a job to the to the good old fixture list. I'm pretty sure uh, Premier League will be <laughs> be in hot water with that one. But yeah, it pro- probably be uh, another really tough, unnecessarily tough ninety minutes for uh, Liverpool. But hopefully, we cruise by it and keep whatever delusional. F- and we have uh, keep their, their Champions League dreams alive for next season. I love the way you talk about Liverpool. I really do. Uh, so that's it from the middlemen this week. Uh, really enjoyed talking you through the boxing, our thoughts on the Super League. Uh, and thanks again to Katie Healy. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. You can tune in, listen back in all of the usual places. Uh, but from me and Max this week, uh, that's about it. Stay safe. 
and enjoy the weekend. Yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Try not to do what we've done and uh, actually keep up with the boxing for and and the football, of course, all sports uh, in the next couple of weeks. They're coming at you thick and fast and we will be there to cover them from now on. So thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.